0: Hi, I'm Sonny and this is episode 4 of Such Great Heights. Thanks to everyone who watched or listened to episode three of Such Great Heights with Kev from Big Scary Monsters. I had tons of great comments and feedback with plenty of people sharing it online. So thank you for that. If you're yet to subscribe to Such Great Heights on iTunes or YouTube, please do click subscribe so you don't miss out on any upcoming episodes. It also really helps this podcast to grow. I'd love to hear your comments and guest suggestions on social media or below in the comments if you're watching on YouTube. On Twitter, you can tweet at suchgreat and on Facebook, you can find us by searching suchgreat, all one word. For episode four, I travelled back to Norwich to meet with Dan Allen, illustrator and frontman of Ducking Punches. I spent much of my younger years hosting gigs and supporting the Norwich music scene, so I've seen the rise of Ducking Punches firsthand. We discussed the punk community, touring the UK and Europe, illustration and much, much more. If you enjoyed the episode, please click the thumbs up button, on SoundCloud and YouTube, or rate the podcast five stars on iTunes. It all helps this podcast to get bigger, meaning more and more great guests. I'll see you on the other side. Dan Allen, how yes. are you doing? I'm very good, man. How are you? Good. Yeah, I'm doing good. Back good. in Norwich for just a short while and a slightly cloudy wet day. But yeah, it was yeah, it was nicer earlier. Yeah, we didn't pick the time quite so well. but. Um, <laughs> so I always start the podcast the same way. What's your earliest music memory? Earliest music memory? Um,
1: It's probably like, probably my dad putting records on when I was really young. Yeah? Because he um, kind of got me into punk and ska because that's what he he listened to. He loved ska. Oh, nice. And that's why I played in a terrible ska band (laughs) called Brass For Me. Okay. (laughs) Oh, nice. (laughs) But like the uh, the pun doesn't work when you go down south because it's only like... From Peterborough upwards,
0: yeah. brass for me. But then, if you say brass for me, it's not even oh, a pun. Yeah, like, yeah, It's Only half true. the country <laughs> it works. So, what kind of stuff would, would you listen to? My dad, yeah, he he loved,
1: um, he loved the Jam, and then he used to listen to like the Specials, the beat, yeah, Selector, yeah, all that sort of stuff. Um, loads of Blondie. So, like, I remember just dancing around to so those as a kid, as he'd put records on, and and sort of really sort of finding a love for it, and then i'm a first was it the first cd or like i can't remember my first cd but well, i remember at the same time buying dookie Green okay, day yeah and corn life is peachy on the same day that sounds good and i hated the corn album yeah <laughs> so like my life could have gone in a completely different so direction at, at tangent, <laughs> yeah. basically yeah. <laughs> luckily i went down the punk route well,
0: who yeah. knows where you'd be if i could be recording a new metal <laughs> album right now so um, basically, I, I went to the gig in Camden at the Monarch mm-hmm. the other day, which was great. Sold out. And yep. same with the Norwich one here as well. You talked about the punk community in, in Peterborough. Yeah. Um. So I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about getting into that community and what it did for you. Okay. So I remember, like,
1: I must have been about 15, 14, 15, going to shows at the Met Lounge in Peterborough. Um, not really knowing anyone, only one guy from school. Yeah. Um Andrew Cream actually. You know Andrew Cream? Don't think I do, um, no. um yeah, him and my friend Chaz actually we used to go to shows. Um but we were like just lost kids and then there was a group of like they were slightly older punks, so they were probably in early twenties. Yeah. Um, and they kind of like took us under their wing and they sort of introduced us to propaganda and sort of vegetarianism and, yeah. and, and ethics and so it really shaped my life
0: that's um, really cool
1: those guys sort of taking us under their wing and it's really hard for kids nowadays i think because so many venues are 18 plus yeah we're not it's never an issue for me when i was growing up yeah. i could go to any show i wanted um so yeah i mean just those guys looking out for us and sort of you know making sure we were safe and having fun yeah sort of really really sort of just felt the kindness and the unity of the scene. Yeah. Which which is like what completely why I fell in love with it. Because it's unlike any other genre I think. Yeah. In, in that respect.
0: Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think I mean sort of going back to the ferry boat days in Norwich as well, I remember yeah. that was sort of when I first I felt a connection to like the Norwich music scene and everything. And you'd go there and there was just something about that kind of place. Yeah. And and punk in general. Um I mean punk shows as we'll get onto a bit later there is just something about about it. Yeah, what I really like, like um,
1: everyone supports each other's band. It's not like a, it's not a competition, mm. like it is in some other scenes. Not cliquey. Yeah, it, yeah. It's you know it's open. And it's you know everyone supports each other, and that just like really, I really connected with that.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. So uh, when it comes to to bands, prior to Duck and Punches, mm-hmm. where did it all begin?
1: Uh, so my first ever band. Was a band called Your Sweet Legacy. Um, We were just this shitty pop punk band (laughs) uh, with Tom, who now plays drums in Def Havana.
0: Oh, okay, yeah.
1: Like, we went to school together, and that was our first band. Yeah. Um, And, like, we were. I remember going. We were going on tour, um, but we weren't even 17, so none of us could drive. Yeah. (laughs) So we did a tour on a train. Oh, right. um, With, like, amps and, like, drum hardware and stuff. And it was just. It was f- fucking fun. Yeah. Like we had loads of fun, but looking back at it now, it's such a ball ache. Like, yeah. I I would, no way I would do that. <laughs> but
0: I, yeah, I can't imagine sort of being that age at the moment. And
1: but we were just—I know—we just wanted to play so badly that so we just did whatever, whatever it yeah. took.
0: You know. So w- what about after that? Where did so after that?
1: So did that band? Um, then we had a band called Car Crash Lullaby. Just kind of emo y stuff. <laughs> and another band called Self Confessed Lies, which is another sort of emo band. And then I was in a hardcore band for a bit called Rises One. We played with like, um, Breaming the Horizon and oh, okay. Andy Flagg and yeah. stuff. Uh, and then, and then Brass for me, which is like that <laughs> terrible <laughs> ska band. Brass for me. Brass for me. <laughs> with uh with my little brother that was in it as well oh cool we did some cool shows we played like some festivals and yeah. did a few tours and i remember we played with the beat and my dad came my dad cried because really? it's like his favorite oh, band cool. and both his sons were yeah in it yeah that must have been a big deal that was yeah it's huge for him yeah i didn't really know who the beat yeah. was <laughs> but uh, yeah and then that broke up and i didn't want to stop playing shows so i just picked up an acoustic guitar yeah and just did it just because i had to play music yeah and then it just kind of got out of hand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, here we are.
0: I think, yeah, once you get into the mindset of having that creative output, yeah. I, sp- I think, especially, you know, maybe early teens or even, you know, later teens when you maybe don't have as much choice because there's not much to do, basically. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. People, you kind of get into it that way. I mean, you, you play, obviously, solo and in a band yep. for Ducking Punches so when when did it I mean how many gigs were you doing solo until maybe it, it became a band um, So it
1: didn't become a full band until I moved to Norwich hmm. um, so I recorded the first album just solo and then um, I was hanging out with Pete in that quite a lot yeah um, he's one of the first people I met actually oh, when okay. I moved here so we did like I was chatting to him about mild peril and stuff because he he's run that fans in yeah and um yeah and then we just sort of got chatting and sort of he was the first person to ever be in the band yeah we did an EP and we had Josie was playing violin he was like a mate from uni yeah um and she was great she's really good and we had Rob Willow on double bass to start with it's quite folky yeah um and it kind of went away from that and I met Cal. When I was working at Shoe yeah. um, in the stockroom, like a little gremlin. <laughs> and then, yeah, and then h- him and Sophie uh, kind of joined the band. I think I played Sophie's 18th birthday. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Her mum, like, booked me to play it. <laughs> that's how I met her. That's cool. And then she moved to Norwich, and then she got in the band. And then Serge, we managed to coax. He'd not played violin for 10 years. Really? Yeah. And we kind of, I kind of didn't realize that he played violin. Yeah. we were looking for a violinist. And then... He was like, oh, yeah, like, I'm like grade eight violin. I've no, not played right. it for 10 years. I was like, oh, mate, you yeah. do it. <laughs> Bring him in. So, yeah, then he got forced into playing the little neck guitar. Yeah. <laughs> um, and now we've got the new lineup because we were touring so much. Yeah. And it was getting really stressful for those guys because they've got jobs. Yeah. And, and we sort of just sort of decided, um, I was like, I'd much rather, you know, if, if you're not comfortable doing it or if it's stressing you out, let's yeah. sort of, you know, figure out some other options because I'd rather we're still friends yeah, than like run it into the ground and you know and it just caused loads of tension so we're like best mates still which is great
0: yeah there's a lot of potential for that I mean it's it is sort of like being in a marriage to your bandmates absolutely yeah and you know touring or playing gigs there's a lot of stress and
1: yeah and you know and it's just takes up so much time and money
0: yeah definitely it's a big commitment I think people I think certainly people who aren't within you know, bands or the music community, just they don't see that side. They just see the gigs and just go. Oh, oh yeah, pretty cool. Up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I. D- it's really interesting seeing the the new lineup, um, and how it's changed. But there's obviously still the yeah. You know, the soul of of the last band and everything, and and you signed with Extra Mile. When when was that?
1: Uh so it's for the last album. So you probably must have been about February last year.
0: We released it in April. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, they're always... Got a great they're great.
1: Label. They've got some amazing bands on that on that label.
0: Like did did that change sort of the band dynamic? Did that
1: did um, it make any changes
0: at all? What, it w- what was
1: really good about it is we were kind of like welcomed into a family. Yeah. Like the Extra Mile family is super tight and like all the bands know each other and like yeah. get on and, and the fans are like... Really supportive of every band on that label, yeah. which is quite unheard of. Yeah, and I think it's really cool. Um, you know, and th- and th- just their ethics and their dynamic is is
0: great, and it's awesome to be a part of it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, th- I mean, they've got the reputation of like great band after great yeah. band sort of thing. Yeah. so I'm not surprised. Ridiculous bands yeah, like I'm not surprised. People go to them for who to listen to yeah, next, basically. Yeah. But um, in terms of touring, when because you've toured sort of relentlessly really mm-hmm. solo and in a band yeah. when when did that start and and how did it start again?
1: um well i guess it's it came out of like um it's kind of an, a necessity like when you first start touring you just like you know i've got to get my music out there too yeah us. definitely you know emailing people like who whoever would listen like w- can you put us on yeah um and then just doing that relentlessly <laughs> forcing it upon people really yeah but i love it i love touring i love seeing the world yeah um we make like now we make a real sort of effort to go and see the town that we're in and and stop off on the way because you can get like it's quite easy to get caught up and just seeing venues yeah and and it's like oh you've been to all these places but not seen anything exactly so we we kind of go out of our way to you know try and experience where you're traveling to yeah because i think that's important as you know it's pointless traveling otherwise
0: yeah part of me feels kind of sympathy to those bands who are on a massive bus and Mm -hmm. you like sleeper buses and then they wake up and then they're magically in the next place and it's you know the journey is part of the fun yeah being stuck in a van or you know i mean how did you do it solo did you
1: um so i don't drive so either on trains or i've had mates have driven me round, or we've done it like if it's part of it like a tour package if it's a couple of us.
0: Yeah, that sounds good. It's quite easy you can I've done it in like we've done it in cars before. Yeah. Sake. Like, just jump in the cars. Dead yeah. easy. I think I mean we were saying before starting this, I really think more bands, anyone who's maybe watching or listening this should should just go for it basically. And I mean there's something about Europe. It's easy to get to. You mm-hmm. get you know generally you get a better payment, you get a place to stay, you get fed. Yeah. and they have a lot more, you know, support from I guess government and and stuff like that. Yeah, which is
1: great. Um, yeah, I mean, I just think people should, you know, just try as hard as you can to get on the road. And mm. Kind of the way that I did it, because we've just been DIY the whole time. Yeah, like we've not really had booking agents. We've never had management. Yeah. Um. So I, because I was promoting, yeah. putting on laser shows in Norwich. Um made loads of contacts that way with people who also put on shows and that's kind of how the DIY scene works you know you you kind of help each other out yeah and um so yeah i mean i would urge people to put on shows to sort of get out there to to tour as much as you can yeah you know that's financially viable definitely
0: what differences do you see between uk shows and And European shows
1: um it's just there's there's like an overwhelming hospitality in Europe, which is just, I think it's just ingrained in sort of mainland Europe as a, as a whole. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they, w- they want to make sure you looked after and you know, I guess it's not as, um, yeah, you know, there's, there's so many bands around the UK. Yeah. It's it's not quite as, quite as many out there. Um, and it's great. I love it. I love touring out there and
0: cause you can go to so many different countries. Yeah. And it's completely different. <laughs> yeah
1: and i like just even in germany it, towns to towns completely different
0: and there's just so many venues and so many yeah. great bands and i mean i always used to uh, like having gone over there i quite like the fact that you can do england france germany luxembourg yeah or, or belgium and luxembourg in a day yeah. like it's it's four crazy, countries in it? a day but i mean you were saying before this as well some of the places that you've been to so how far how far did you get to
1: we've been so we've gone to like serbia Done all of Scandinavia, um, Budapest, Poland, so we've gone quite far east, um and it's all been great. But I mean this last tour because I think the UK's getting better. Yeah. I really do. Uh, the last tour we were treated so well, yeah. Here. Um and I think the UK's got a bad rep, but it's getting really good. Yeah. And and I think people I think promoters and and people in general are realizing that oh, you know if we don't sort of treat people right and go to shows, we'll lose it. Because there's so many American bands that come over and just play one UK show. Yeah. And they'll, they'll do loads in Europe. Yeah. And it's you know, I think people have kind of realized that there was a potential to lose you yeah. know a lot of our scene. Definitely. And I think it's it's stepped up and and I think that's great.
0: That is good. Yeah. I mean, I would love love it if there were more sort of government funding for the, for mm-hmm. the venues because it's sh- such a shame that there's been so many venues closed or yeah. turned into flats or...
1: Yeah, I mean, we're losing them at an alarming rate.
0: Yeah. You know, small venues are really
1: suffering. You know, and people will... They'll build flats next to a venue that's been there for 50 years and then complain about the noise. Yeah. It's like it is you insane. just moved in next to a music venue. <laughs> what do you expect yeah. to happen,
0: basically? But um, you, you'd previously toured with... Frank Turner. Mm-hmm. Uh, was that when he he got injured? Was it? Yeah. So, so um, I was
1: um, I was already guitar teching for him, and then he hurt his back, and the he went to the doctors, and they said, you know, you can't do this tour. Yeah. And he was like, well, I want to. Yeah. <laughs> he is always on tour, and uh, he just said, what well, if I don't play guitar? The doctor was like, you know, okay. Yeah. So I got a call. Like, out of the blue. Yeah. Oh, Dan, can you learn 25 songs in a week? <laughs> no way. Um, I was like, uh, yeah. Yeah. Like, okay, cool. We're doing it. Come on tour. You can play guitar for me. <laughs> I was like, sweet. Yeah, let's do it. And it was so much fun. You know, it was pretty... I remember the fifth show of that tour um, was in Mannheim supporting de Totenhosen. Okay. Which is like that massive German band. Yeah. To like 40,000 people, I think it No guess. way. And I just sort of... Have never even seen that many people. Yeah, and I can't. I still to this day can't remember that show because my adrenaline was through the bet. roof.
0: Yeah, kind of blank memory basically. Yeah. I mean, especially after if you learn the songs in a week. I yeah, mean, I I'm guess concentrating. You know, <laughs> yeah, not yeah. Fucking it up. I guess like you know, tour is a, you know live practice. For yeah, the, for the tracks and everything, but to just go. <laughs> fourth gig in yeah, I know, yeah, people is just insane. Yeah, it was nice to see him at the um the gig as well the Monarch.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was cool. He um he's been really
0: supportive of our band actually. Yeah. He's he's a good old boy. He's good. So and also with the uh, being at the Monarch in Camden and on this tour, mm-hmm. um could you talk a little bit about uh safe gigs for women and yes. them being on there.
1: Okay, so Safe Gigs for Women are is an institution that shouldn't have to exist. But they do because um, you know I've every single female friend I've spoken to has experienced some kind of assault um, or you know or someone just making them feel uncomfortable at every show you know and that's every single person I've spoken to and I think a lot of people don't realise how big a problem it is and it's something that needs to be stamped out and I think just having safe gigs at a show just their their mere presence will make people think twice Yeah, and you know it's we just need to change attitudes you know people need to stop being assholes yeah it's not that difficult not to touch someone who doesn't want to be touched exactly but it happens a lot and and safe gigs are doing this great thing and and you know their awareness is is skyrocketing yeah and it's brilliant and i'm so glad that they do exist yeah even though i wish they didn't have to
0: no, definitely. And and the same with um, Girls Against, they've kind of, I think they're doing a sort of similar thing. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, it's, yeah. it's been great to see a lot of bands talking about it on stage, like, mm-hmm. you, like you guys, as well as, you know, other uh, touring bands with Girls a- Against. And like you say, it shouldn't have to happen, but at least hopefully this is the start of changing the behaviour. I
1: think so, yeah. You know, um, especially after that whole thing with that Cabbage band. Oh, that's and, right. Um, yeah, and like, you know, safe gigs were on, on the BBC and, you know, they were contacted for that. And, you know, it's it's great that they're,
0: that, you know, people
1: are fucking paying attention.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I was wondering if we could talk a little bit about illustration. Yes. And, I mean, your work is great and the fact that it's kind of coincided with music. Mm-hmm. Where did that stem from? Uh, So... I mean, it's. So I've always
1: drawn, like since I was a little kid, I loved drawing, I've yeah. always loved art. Um, I've just loved anything creative, I think. Yeah. Um, but I dropped out of two different art degrees because, well, <laughs> the first one I was doing animation and then it just turned out to be like, we're working this program called Maya and it was more like okay. computer programming and and else. now, so I just really wasn't feeling it. And yeah. then the second time I was doing illustration, um, but my tutors hated my work
0: oh, um,
1: and at this point I was kind of getting commissions so I just thought I'm just going to take the same approach to this as I do with music yeah. and I'm just going to do it on my own, Definitely. Um, you know, why am I paying someone to say they don't like my work and yeah. <laughs> you know, so I just did that and then finally I've taken the leap, was it August last year to go full time with it, oh, so great. now I just do music for a living That's and it's a dream it is yeah, it's incredible <laughs> you know it's a struggle sometimes but yeah it's,
0: you know it's great I think there is that thing with creative well creative people in general the the struggle of doing what you love and just yeah but then it, it's that thing I mean yeah obviously you could have a nine-to-five office mm-hmm. job but you wouldn't have your creative outlet and
1: yeah and I would just it would really
0: depress me I think. yeah
1: You know, I really, I really struggle if I'm not creating something.
0: Yeah. So how, how is that kind of coincided with music? I mean, I know you've done sort of tour posters and.
1: Yeah. I mean, um, because I know a lot of bands from like promoting and stuff. Yeah. I just kind of fell into doing band artwork and shirt designs and album covers. And, and I love doing it. I think there's a lot more, there's quite a lot of freedom with it rather than sort of a the commercial side of, you know, doing something for a business. Yeah, it's, you know, yeah, it's really freeing. And a lot of time bands will come to me and be like, oh, this is our band. It's our album. Do what you want. Yeah. And I love that. Yeah, (laughs) just uh, just sort of just give me a title and then I can just run with it. and And
0: it's great. No, that sounds good. And I mean, going back to your point, I do find it funny. The I guess the education system with creativity when it comes to sort of degrees, because mm-hmm. you you know what you're doing, you're good at yeah. what you do. So, do you need a diploma for it? Well, <laughs> yeah. I it's mean, it teaches it? it obviously teaches you a lot, and I'm just the same. I did a music management degree, and yeah. there's things that it taught me, but there's certain things that didn't change before, mm-hmm. sort of or after.
1: I think yeah. I mean, the thing with creative education is it's so subjective, mm. so it's kind of hard to put a, give someone a grade yeah on, on art which is you know it's quite a strange concept yeah it as like you know art as a whole you know but definitely. you know i learned a lot of stuff going to school um yeah. you know loads of techniques and yeah which is important you know if if i hadn't studied and done that then you know i'd just be doing the same old stuff that i've always done
0: yeah so. definitely so what about when you're on tour i mean is it just a clean break from illustration or do you get to Think about what's sure,
1: yeah. I mean, a lot of the time, if I'm going away, I'll do all my drawing at home, scan it into my computer, yeah, and then I'll color it okay on tour, yeah. Um, because I can't, like, obviously, don't have access to a scanner, yeah, so I don't really draw on tour, and also it's quite hard to draw in a van, (laughs) (laughs) cramped van, Yeah. (laughs)
0: yeah. Um, so we're at this point where you've got uh, a few dates coming up in Ireland, is mm-hmm. it? Yep. And then you've got a European tour. Yep. From sort of this point on, maybe in a year, what would you li- what is the plan for Duck and Punches? Where would you like to th- for it to go?
1: Uh so the plan for me I remember being sixteen and making myself a promise that by the time I'm thirty I will be in a full time band. Yeah. Uh, I'm twenty nine. It's very close to, to actually happen um so yeah i mean just doing it full time would be incredible yeah that's that's kind of the goal with it um but yeah we just want to be on the road as much as possible we're going to like be recording the new album in september yeah with bob cooper okay um because i just love how he records guitars yeah he's so good <laughs> um so yeah we're doing that and then so that album will come out early next year and then we're just going to be touring out relentlessly yeah. for the
0: whole of next year. Are you going to be doing any festivals, do you think? Or
1: uh, We're doing 2000 Trees. We've got a couple of festivals in Europe. Um, yeah, I think that's all we've got. the We've got a small a couple of smaller festivals like Kind yeah. Fest in Lincoln and Moose Fest in Orpington, I think it is. Okay. <laughs> Somewhere in Kent.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, I'll put the, some dates up. Yeah. <laughs> if you're watching this on YouTube, they'll be on there. <laughs> um, so, for any young new musicians that might be listening or watching what what kind of advice would you give them for you know succeeding in music and and okay. having, being creative um
1: well f- yeah there's a few few points i'd say like number 1 consistently write like constantly write i have like um like my notes on my phone, yeah, it's just full and full of lyrics. So I just you know, I'll wake up in the middle of the night and I'll just write it down real quick, yeah, because it's surprising how like inspiration will come to you at the yeah. weirdest times, so Definitely I just kind me. of like like to write it down as much as possible, um so yeah, I mean, like always be on it, um, and you've got to, you've gotta work hard, you've gotta really want it, it's not an easy thing to do, yeah, but it's a lot of fun but you've got to, um, you know, you've got to really believe in your own band, I guess. You know, if you think your band's shit, then so will <laughs> everyone else. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so you've got, to, yeah, you've got to try and, and I, you know, I just suggest touring as much as you possibly can. Mm. You know, you don't want to oversaturate your market, obviously. You don't want to play Norwich every weekend. Yeah, definitely. But, yeah, you know, getting out and touring is really important for new bands, well, for any band.
0: Yeah. And what about if they, you know, trying to get gigs out of out of your town out of your city what would you recommend um i mean there's so many good promoters and there's loads of like there's
1: loads of facebook groups now for sort of diy promoters which never used to exist yeah which is really helpful i think yeah um but also i'd suggest putting on your own shows because that really helps and it helps to not only will it help your own band but it helps to support the scene yeah it helps to bring music to your city um you know, so, you don't have to travel. You, know, you, can see yeah. you can see all your favourite bands in and your I own I town. Th-
0: and I think just sort of learning the process of what goes into a gig. Absolutely, and yeah. You, you, yeah, I think the more DIY, uh, well, the more independent you can become and, you know, within a DIY scene and everything, the, the better.
1: Yeah, it's great. I think, you know, the less middlemen, the better. Yeah, definitely. It just gets convoluted and confusing when there's
0: too many people involved. And another percentage to pay out to someone Absolutely, else. Absolutely, yeah. Do. yeah. <laughs> Well, I really appreciate it. Thanks, Thanks for your time. Really appreciate it. Cheers, buddy. Thanks so much to Dan for taking the time to talk to me. Ducking Punches have tons of UK and European dates coming up. I really recommend you go watch them live. All the dates can be found on their Facebook page. If you enjoyed our talk, please click like on whichever platform you're using. New video content will be up on YouTube very soon search for such great heights podcast and you'll find me i recently discussed growing a following on twitter for bands which you might find useful subscribe to show your support the theme song for such great heights is by prey drive they've just released their new song like animals i'll be sharing the link to it on our social media pages and in the description of the youtube video for now join the conversation online and if you know anyone who might enjoy this podcast Please spread the word. Sharing is caring. Until next time. Taram.